0: hey everyone welcome back to the better board games podcast my name is evan i'm
1: one of your co-hosts i'm mckay i'm the board game critic on social media you might know me you might not (laughs) i feel like you probably do (laughs) if you're listening to this if you're listening to this episode of all episodes you probably know who i am who knows I genuinely
0: I've said this before. I genuinely don't know who listens to this, but a few people have messaged me since I said that the last time. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, anyways, yeah, we're back. Um, we don't have today. We don't have any specific thing we're talking about. We're just going to be recapping our summer of board gaming because it's been so long since we've recorded. Normally, we would have a post show where we talk about the last couple weeks of gaming for us. But because we haven't recorded in so long, we had to catch up. So we have a lot of fun things that have happened this summer that I'm excited. I'm excited to hear your fun things. um. And I have some fun things to share as well about just what gaming looked
1: like for us over the last three months or so. Was that how long it was since we were posted? I let's see. I mean, I could look that up really quick. Our last episode was on how valuable are your games? We mm-hmm. posted it on May 25th. Yeah, Jeez, about... almost three months exactly, actually, because today's the 29th that we're recording this. So actually, recording date was actually longer.
0: There we go. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, after a long summer, I, I would say that we feel bad that we haven't recorded. And while we do, it's it's been... I mean, we all need the freedom to do this, right? <laughs> the freedom to uh, yeah. take a break and recharge play some games and get back to it
0: yeah I, I mean i i personally wish that in the meantime of not recording for three months i all only just played games but unfortunately <laughs> i had other things i had to do as well
1: yeah i hope there were some fun summer outing some hikes some outdoors time i think that's the hard thing about summers for me. They feel like they should be full of game playing. But there's so many things to do. And nature is important. And kids' soccer games and all that kind of stuff.
0: I don't know. I don't want to do outdoor time as much in the summer. It gets so really. hot. I live in Oklahoma. I guess that's so true. For me, summer is usually over 100, like 105, 108 sometimes. That's at least gross. in the middle of summer.
1: And it is dreadful. All right, Evan let's dive into game talk because we'll go first i think you, have you go more. first i feel like you're about you're gonna say more so you should start i'm a little worried that if i don't if i if i start i may not stop but i'm happy well, to start did, um take take turns you, you can tell <laughs> us a little tale and then i'll tell a tale all right <laughs> um so it, there's a little raise your hand icon let's use that today if you're just like shut up mckay <laughs> yeah do that
0: i can click like, a button oh. to say evan has something to say yep i'm too nervous <laughs> to actually interject
1: <laughs> so you may you may or may not know this about me but i'm extremely religious and at church up on the podium when you're speaking a lot of times they have um a little red button that somebody who's in charge can like buzz you like you gotta sit down you, you gotta stop talking long that's <laughs> what it is. So anyway, that's, that's that part. button. All right. Well, should we start in chronological order back at the beginning? Or should we start with most recent, most uh, top of mind, whatever go you, reverse if, chronological? If, if,
0: like, if if you need to talk about it, if you need to get it out, you can do any
1: of them. I don't care. All right. Let's go broad, broad category first. I have been playing games on board game arena like oh. nobody's business. Uh-huh. I love Board Game Arena. I think I've talked about it before. Um, I realized that I was within reviewer range. So on Board Game Arena, when you get a certain amount of status, and you have a good record, and you've played a lot of different games, and a lot, just a bulk of games, like this is year's worth of game playing, um, you can apply to become a reviewer. And so I just got reviewer status, which I'm very proud of. so I thought it was worth uh, mentioning some of my top games over the last little while on Board Game Arena. Um, if you, it's probably no surprise that my top one is Can't Stop. So easy to play, takes maybe five minutes, and it's just really light dice rolling. If you haven't played Can't Stop, by the way, have you played it, Evan? I haven't played it.
0: I was about to uh, say, you know, but here's the thing: I've I looked it up, I googled it. And the link is purple, meaning I've clicked on it because you (laughs) probably told me about it before and I've clicked on it before, but
1: I don't remember looking at it. This does not look familiar, even though I've definitely been on this page, probably by your request. Okay, let me tell you a story about Can't Stop. There is an American version that's garbage. There's a Korean version that's beautiful so let me tell you about can't stop this is a nice segue away from board game arena although i'm sure we'll circle back because we have to talk about the german game of the year um can't stop the american version is a big plastic stop sign and you have these traffic cones in your color that you're (laughs) moving up a stop sign (laughs) but they're all plastic and dinky yeah like cheap plastic version then so Somebody posted about the Korean version. I have since ordered, let's see, 47 copies, roughly, of the Korean version. You just give it to everyone you know? Basically. No, I... So, it's weird. I've become, like, a weird Korean version of Can't Stop peddler of board games. And... Oh, funny. It just happened super authentically because I would... I got the game because I hadn't purchased it because I was like, it's ugly. It's a big plastic stop sign with traffic cones. It doesn't make sense as a theme. It's just horrible. So when somebody posted about the Korean version, which is you have little tents and you're hiking up a mountain and you choose when to stop. But if you push your luck too far, then you slide backwards. Anyway, beautiful theming from the Korean version. And so I saw somebody post about it i found the distributor emailed them directly shipping was like 40 something dollars and the game was like 30 so i was like man i don't think i can justify 70 dollars for this that's a very very light game so i found out if i ordered 12 copies then it was a lot more reasonable
0: so you (laughs) figured do that like three times or four times
1: yeah. So then I got like the first batch in and I played it with a couple people and they're like, I want this. And I was like, okay, well I have a copy. And so basically I sold them all. And then other people were like, Hey, I want to give it as a gift to somebody or somebody approached me and said, Hey, I played this game. And so it's really like, I've done three different orders of them all over 12 games a piece. And I, <laughs> i just like keep names on a list and then once i hit 12 i'm just like all right i'll submit another order <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome
0: um yeah no the the difference in aesthetic quality between the two is pretty notable if you look it up like if you search korean can't stop game versus or yeah and then if you search just can't stop game like it's very clear the korean um edition the main player colors there's like a like a warm gray like a yellow mm-hmm. a red and then like this tealish color and it looks so much better than your typical red green yellow blue right and it's just like wow thank you for this it reminds me of teach you which is a card game that i love i think it's fantastic you've it's mentioned pretty- that one i've mentioned it before because it's so good um i'll get i'll talk a little bit about the game in a little bit more later but basically the version that you can get in america like just whatever is like pretty ugly. I don't like it. It's like, it just doesn't look great. But there's an Italian deck of Tichu that has, it's basically a deck of cards, but there's some special cards. But either way, this Italian deck of Tichu cards just looks beautiful. And for a while, we weren't able to get it because we didn't, I didn't really look closely enough at the website that I found it. Because it was in Italian. Um, and but we eventually like, were like, okay, we need these, how can we get them? And we ordered like four of these teach you decks that are in Italian. So it's the same kind of thing. It's like, yeah, what, for whatever reason, the American version
1: just is ugly. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but true. <laughs> yep. So this is actually like, I want, I know you've talked about teach you before, and I've actually looked it up. It's hard to find. It's not like the easiest thing to get your hands on. Really? At least I couldn't. I, granted this was probably a year ago last when we talked about it that i was like oh i should look that up
0: that's so funny because it isn't it shouldn't be maybe it is i'm going to look it up on quick amazon search i found i found
1: one okay let me know if it's back in stock and maybe shoot me a link because it is very possible to find Ooh, this looks like a nice deck oh it's a little expensive though anyways so along those same lines, let's let's keep this going because I actually have something along a very similar lines. Um I've been playing an absurd an absurd amount of Koi Koi lately. Uh-huh. Have you played Koi Koi? No, I have not. All right, so Koi, Koi is a Japanese game. Um back when uh, back when Japan opened for a brief period to um settlement and trading with America cards made their way into Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, it was mostly used for gambling and poker. Right. So playing cards became outlawed when uh, Japan again closed its borders, kicked everybody out that was not of Japanese descent, and playing cards were banned. They were outlawed because they were foreign. Oh, right. And so um, a bunch of people got together and they were like, we need to disguise a set of playing cards so that we can still gamble. And <laughs> they came up with Hanafuda cards, is what they're called. So what it is, it's the exact inverse of a normal deck of cards. In a normal deck of cards, you have 12 numbers of four, um, four suits, right? In this one, you have 12 suits with four types in each. And... So they flipped those numbers, and the cards don't have anything on them except for pictures of flowers and animals. They're fantastic. Um, The game is extremely simple. And at first, I was like, this is just a stupid game of just, like, flipping cards and just trying, like, seeing if you match with something. It felt a little bit like war. The more I played, it is deeply intricate. It has, um, like, sets and runs and things that Uh that you collect, kind of like in poker. But the weird part is, um, it's all about looking at the other person's hand, knowing what you have in your hand, and reading the probability of them like flipping a card and gathering what they need to complete what's called a yaku, which is right. one of these sets. The really cool part as a push-your-luck mechanic, that when you get any of the yaku, you can say koi koi, which is, I want to keep going. Or, that's not a literal translation, it's just what it means in the game. Yeah. Um, or, you can choose to stop and score and move on to the next month. And there, are, you play through six months for a short game, 12 months for a full year or a long game. Um, but if you choose, if you say Koi Koi and choose to keep going, if you can score another Yaku before your opponent, then it'll double whatever points you got. But if they score before you, you lose all of your points and they take them dang and so there's a really fascinating like there have been times where i was at like a times four multiplier and i'm scoring like five points and i'm like i have the card in my hand that i can get another one and i could multiply all those points by five and bump my base score up to like 10 and get 50 points instead so i push it and i say koi koi and then they happen to land a yaku the turn just one turn in between Mm -hmm and just steal all of my points so fascinating game that is on board game arena and we should play some time because it takes i'll be honest it probably took me like 10 games to get really comfortable with the sets that you're trying to create because there's no text there's no icons to guide you it's just you memorize these different hands and then you're trying to draw threads between like what they could get and trying to like block them versus get your own and when to push your luck. Oh, there's so many awesome things going on.
0: That's really cool. I, I looked it up so I'm like, I kinda wanna get some of these Hanafuda cards to play them. Beautiful there. cards, right? They yeah, they are. Um I also subsequently found a one-piece themed Hanafuda deck.
1: Yes, I've seen those.
0: And I do want those really bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um there's also a Nintendo themed one that's also really awesome
0: i might have to get that for my friend
1: i'll have to see if there's a pokemon one because i think that would probably be my one of choice if there's a pokemon
0: there's a few this is on topic because of pokemon there's i there's a handful of pokemon cards like the tcg that i'm interested in getting and not because i want to play the game but literally just because they're pretty and they're pokemon i played like i used in my team when I was playing, like, Pokemon Gold and Ruby or whatever as a kid. And so I'm like, I kind of want to buy these cards. But it's like, why would I buy these? But I'm still probably going to do it. But anyways, I don't know if you have yeah. any Pokemon cards.
1: I I have... I used to have... I had, like, Gen 1. I was, Ooh. I was in third grade when Pokemon cards, like, really hit the United States. And uh-huh. I seriously had an amazing collection i mean i had everything and i didn't play the game i was purely a collector so so you've had them yeah i had them prime in like the sleeved they had never been touched except to like take out and rearrange and stuff oh i gave them to my little brother and no no my little sister then she passed them on to my little brother and yeah i think yeah now they're just lost to the universe i think my sister still has some of them we had a holographic Machamp that uh-huh. was like—I don't know exactly. Like it came in an extra little like plastic seal, um, like you would see in like a promo card in Magic: The Gathering when you go to a pre-release. Uh huh. Um, one of those little extra sleeves. I still think she has that one in its protective sleeve, um, and I'm like, we should really get you these. Like really work into
0: into that. That that could be lucrative.
1: Yeah, I mean, best case scenario, you're probably looking at like a couple hundred dollars, but still, it's
0: I kinda don't know cool. if that's best. I think that might be a middling scenario. I think that best case scenario is even better. Really? Yeah, Pokemon cards are crazy. Collectibles are booming for yeah. a lot of reasons, but
1: yeah, it's fun. Okay, so next topic. Ready, set, go.
0: Okay. Um. Uh, me and my brother went to Canada to visit our family. Um, we have a lot of family in Canada. Like, um, my like three uncles and aunts and their kids, and my grandparents primarily live in Canada. So, it I would I grew up visiting them all the time. Like every summer, every other winter, and so family vacations to Canada were basically all almost all of our vacations. Um, and we would pl- grow up and growing up we would play board games a lot. Um and this was like my favorite memory, of of my family and of of board games. It was just this like, we would we would stay up late eating snacks and then just like I just remember so many times just cracking up, just like laughing so much, having mm-hmm. the best time. Um, so those are really fond memories for me, and part of part of why I think that I ended up loving board games. I remember as a kid like, I remember like wanting to ask to play games way more often than we were able to actually play them. Um, And so, I don't know. Anyways, point is, uh, me and my brother were able to go this summer to visit them again. I haven't been in five years, which is crazy because I used to go more than once a year, right? Like Mm -hmm. on average or whatever. Um, So I've missed them a lot. um, And so me and my brother flew up there. Um, What was that? It was July, I think. Um, All right. End of June, early July. And, um, yeah, we, we flew up and we brought our, we brought like so many games in our carry on luggage. So we were literally just like, our, our bags were heavy. So I brought like my entire, like all of spirit Island, which is, I don't know how heavy it is. Probably like 15 pounds, maybe not that much. That's probably severe overestimation, but like super heavy. And then, um, all sorts of other games. And so we had like, we probably brought like 15 games or something in our two duffel bags and so we were walking through the airports just like they were heavy and it was a terrible it was terrible Um our friend and Alex's wife Lana was like why are you guys bringing this many games you don't you're not only you're only gonna be there for like five six days or whatever there's no way you're gonna play them all and so we were like because we want to they're like it's such it's so heavy and we're like we want to do it we have to bring these games and so we did but anyways I don't remember how many exactly we played. I think we played like 12 of them. Oh, my gosh. My brother just texted me back because I asked him how many we ended up playing. (laughs) I said, how many did we bring and play? And he said hundreds, which isn't true. So (laughs) never mind. I thought he was going to give me a credible answer. Um, (laughs) He just said that. Anyways, I think we probably played like 12 games that we brought. Um, in, like, five days, which was really fun. We played a lot of Quacks of Quack, Lindbergh because it's just so easy to bring out. Um, yeah. People loved it. We showed it to, you know, our cousins and uncles and whatever. Um, and, yeah, it was just super easy to keep playing a lot of... The other thing that we played a lot was Spirit Island, which was surprising mm-hmm. because we, we almost didn't bring it because it's just hard to get, like, to play, like, an hour and a half, two hour plus game that's best at 2 or 3. Um, yeah. but I was like it's it's my favorite game. Alex loves it too. Let's just bring it. If we could find a time to play it once or twice, then it'll be great because me and my brother don't get to spend a ton of time just playing games us, you know, you know. So it felt worth it. We ended up playing Spirit Island Spirit Island I think 5 times. But wow. what was really notable was that we played it 3 times within like two days, I think with one of my cousins, there's like, I have like eight cousins who, um, no, nine cousins. Yeah. Nine cousins, um, who were in Canada at the time. And one of them is in third grade and we played spirit Island with him three times. That's cool. So it was surprising. Me and my brother were like, we woke up in the morning. We're like, Hey, let's play some spirit Island. And our cousin, who's his name is jeshua who's in third grade was like oh this looks cool can i play and i was just like i wasn't i didn't even think to ask him originally because he's <laughs> eight yeah right and so i was like spirit island is pretty complicated um i was like i brought a few other games that were good for for you know eight eight year olds or whatever whatever age um but spirit island was not one of those games that one was definitely one that I didn't wasn't thinking, but I was like, you know what? We could try. Let's try to teach you. If you, if you want to play it, you can. If not, that's totally fine. So we teach him, and he has the easiest time learning. Like, it was never even a large overhead for him. He, for some reason, just has crazy good game sense, I think. But also, it made me think, like, because I've taught Spirit Island a lot of times, including to a lot of adults, and it's, like, hard to learn, and I get it because it is complicated Mm -hmm. but this third grader had no trouble and I was it was making me think a lot like well why is that true and I don't know but I think that in general there's a lot of preconceived notions that adults eventually gain about board games and about how games work about what games can be etc and so when a game is outside of that like Spirit Island is very outside of a lot of people's expectations then like it's kind of hard to figure out But a kid is just there and they're just really good at abstract thinking. And so he was thinking of basically most of the mechanics as thematic as well. Mm -hmm. And the game is thematic, so it works for this. But like the thematic element first in his mind was able to translate into game mechanics really easily. So it was just super, super interesting, but also just very fun. Um he was like suit he loved it. He thought it was the coolest thing in the world. He's like, Mom, I want to get this game and He was like talking about how he wants to get every expansion. Except he kept calling them like, <laughs> he kept calling them expansion pass. And I was like, <laughs> It's very clear that you play
1: video games and yeah are probably thinking of like, I don't know, battle passes. Fortnite, Fortnite or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I've I've said so many times, I think we just underestimate kids on average oh, yeah, as uh, far absolutely. as they're- their ability to comprehend and just granted like on some levels yeah they may not think of like the depth of strategy but I would also argue that I think that works in their favor a lot of times I think they're very adaptable and they just kind of they roll with things when game situations come around and they I think are more easily I think they can see their way through situations whereas I think when we've strategized and we've like developed this plan, we have a really hard time breaking that. So this is just a theory, but if anybody's like really into upping their board game strat or something, um, that might be something to look into because I legitimately watch my kids. They beat me so often at games when I'm like hardcore strategizing and they're just like, Oh no, like I'm just going to do this thing because I know (laughs) it gets me some points. And It's, I don't know, there's something to the simplicity of thought that I think goes into it for them that kids are impressive with games.
0: Yep. Adaptability is, I think, really important in a lot of games. Being able to be flexible and being able to, um, yeah, just kind of like change plans when you need to. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes sense. I also think that um, kids learning games obviously aren't thinking as intensely about the strategy a lot of the times But I think that actually comes pretty quickly too um, yeah. they're good at learning that's just true and um, yeah and, and another example of this is I have a friend whose kid is 11 years old and they play card games together like they played a lot of Star Wars Destiny years back when he was like younger I guess that would have been like four years ago at this point yeah so he was like Seven playing Star Wars Destiny and he beat me in a tournament and I was like, oh my gosh, but right now they're playing flesh and blood and um, so um, This guy his name is Donovan. He's 11 years old and he ended up going to nationals for flesh and blood and he's I've played with him many times now and he's good at the game like he's thinking to the same degree that, like, any given player is. He's not necessarily as good as, like, a lot of other players, but that's true about, you know, everyone except for one guy who is the <laughs> best, right? Um, But the idea is, like, he's just gotten there because he's played it enough and he's played games enough in general, so he's, like, able to strategize really well. But a lot of people would be, like, to their own child, like an 11-year-old kid, be like, I don't know if they can learn this game. And like, like you said, I think we're actually really underestimating kids in general. And I I think that pushing them can be really good and they can learn games that you wouldn't have expected. A lot of parents are like, yeah, I play games with my kids sometimes, but they're like this game or this game. And they're like, not as involved. And they're kind of like, I don't know. I'm sure that a lot of parents wish that they could play more fun games. they're like but we have to play their kids and it's like actually maybe there isn't such a limitation that you're thinking and the the suggestion on the box break it like please break it do like something that's for 14 plus to your 10 year old kid because well first of all this is an interesting thing that i found out from a friend who is publishing a board game Mm -hmm. 14 plus is default and you have to get it specifically approved to be less than that and it costs money to do
1: that so a lot of games
0: yes. just say 14 plus i
1: was gonna say we just went through this process and there were several mm. we were going to do um eight or ten plus but um when we we're going through like uh imports and stuff to get it into certain countries and that you have to go through a lot of different additional layers of testing as far as like your plastics quality, any kind of paint or paper, like you have to go through oh, everything. They have to te- test it for a certain number of like toxic elements and all of this stuff that it's like, that's wild. we know our factory doesn't use that, but we still have to go through the testing to get it certified to put that on the box. That's and wild. so, yeah, we defaulted to 14 plus. And, um, but really, there's no language. It's very playable with probably, honestly, six to eight is probably right. a fine range. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very interesting.
0: Yeah, so my trip to Canada altogether was a ton of fun, super sweet, super special just being there. And then also because 5 years ago my cousins were all like I guess 8 or 9 max. Mhm. Now they're like 13, 14 and um so like probably 10 to or I guess like yeah, 8 to 14 or whatever. Anyways, I don't know. It was just—it was just a new, new time, you know. Seeing people, your your family again, but they're a lot older. It's just very different. But like, it was fun being able to hang out with them, kind of more as peers than anything else. Even though they're obviously a lot younger than me still, but yeah, they're yeah. the same exact difference in age as they were before. But yeah, anyways, it was just super fun and playing games with them and whatever was a
1: lot of fun. Um, speaking of travel. Let's just see how naturally and awkwardly I can uh, naturally <laughs> and awkwardly. Right. Yeah, here's here's the segue. Speaking yep. of travel, I did get to go to um, Gen Con this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, I remember you saying that.
0: Yeah, yeah was, I was hoping you were going to be there.
1: And you couldn't come. And then yeah. this year you went to Gen Con and I couldn't come. Someday, someday we'll end up at the same convention and we'll just blow off the convention and play games together. It'll be great. That sounds fun. We could um, just do that sometime i was gonna say we should just plan like um, to go
0: to to skip to play games
1: it's true um i could probably get a flight a lot cheaper to where you are uh than to philadelphia or indianapolis but um so i went to gen con it was my first time at gen con um it was super packed i think it was a very good showing especially uh post-covid and stuff although we did still have to wear masks um and i have mixed feelings about it it felt very stiff if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um it was hard to sit down and play a game anywhere unless you had scheduled it out and unless you had reserved it and um with so many people i don't know there were a lot of things about it that i was like this just felt so all the booths felt very salesy um I don't know. There was something about Gen Con that I didn't love. I'm not saying that I won't go back, but I think it was so far my least favorite convention. You mm-hmm. got to see a lot of like every publisher is there with a lot right. of new stuff and that. So sure. If you like to window shop and stuff, then it's great. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, if you're just looking to buy a bunch of stuff, and you live in Indianapolis, and you don't have to fly it all to a different location. Oh. But I don't know. Overall, I was I was uh, it caused me to do some deep introspection as to why it was not that enjoyable for me. And right. I came to I came to the conclusion. And don't get me wrong, it was still fun, but just not what I expected. Um, I came to the conclusion that I had neglected like uh, meeting up with people. I knew from social media and stuff that there were a lot of people there that I that I could have set up time to play a game with or that I could have done something. Right, yeah, yeah. And I didn't, um, partially because I expected to be, like, walk around the floor or meeting with publishers or things like that more. And since it was so sales-based, I didn't do that either. And so I realized, I came to the conclusion that I think conventions are less for the publishers and the booths and more as like a common meeting place for other board gamers for me that's like why i value them i think and so anyway it was it was a nice moment to just realize that i want to connect with people more um in a very real way and face to face my favorite parts about it was meeting up with some of the other board vendors and going to dinner and stuff like those were the highlights um it was also hard because i have family in indianapolis so every moment i spent at the convention was time that i wasn't seeing my family that i don't get to see Mm. very often so my mind was kind of in two different places um which was it was hard there were some hard things about the whole situation so um very interesting well-run uh convention and all that but i don't know there were some hard things about it for me personally that, that i'm sense. i'm very much looking forward to pax unplugged i'm going back to pax unplugged it's by mm-hmm. far been my favorite convention so far cool, cool, cool and so i'll be there in philadelphia in i think it's the first weekend of december
0: yeah i definitely i
1: definitely want it because i've only gone to the one
0: convention i've only gone to gen con and it was only once um yeah. I had a ton of fun when I went the and basically what comes to mind for me because what what you're saying makes a lot of sense as to why it wasn't you know uh, it wasn't what you were expecting or whatnot it's certainly a shopping trip yeah and there's tons of really fun stuff to buy and like you could you could walk out with a ton of just exciting stuff new games games that you've been wanting to get but haven't gotten yet convention prices are sometimes pretty good like there's lots yeah. of things to buy. There's cool, I mean, I don't know. My brother bought like a dice tower from Wormwood. And, um which they're super nice. Like Wormwood's products were all so nice. They're amazing. And you could buy them online, but it was do it was right there in front of us and you got to talk to the people who worked there and, you know, etcetera, etcetera. And so there is something very fun about that. But it if you're going not to do that and you're trying to avoid doing that, then you aren't yeah, Gen Con isn't exactly the best for that. I yeah. um I think that I agree that like meeting up with people as much as you can is the best way to do it. I spent quite a bit of time with um well, I went with my brother. I don't know if you traveled with anyone else.
1: Yeah. Having
0: someone else that I was with always made it still sociable and like valuable social time, like seeing, you know, being with my brother. That was a ton of fun. Um if I went by myself. I could see that sort of, like, meandering feeling being pretty bothersome, especially yeah. if there's not a lot of, you know... I don't even know. I don't know what other conventions are like, but anyways, that all makes sense. I also have heard that Gen Con, like, has so many different niches represented. There's, mm-hmm. like, there's, like, a lot of, like... There's people who, every year, play a... um a, like, miniatures game of the once seen in Star Wars where they're, like, flying ships down, like, the... Yeah. I don't remember what it's called. What is it called? Someone needs to know. Do either of us know anything about Star Wars? I mean, not a ton. I know less but... than I could. People will be annoyed or <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Lost some respect um, for you, just now. Every single year, they, like, play this this thing, this miniatures version of the Star Wars scene that they love. And then mm-hmm. there's some there's a lot of people who do like cosplay contests. Every single year they come just for the cosplay. And mm-hmm. people like one one person I was talking to, their daughter, like they spent like I think four figures on this cosplay, and oh, she yeah. ended up winning. And I don't remember I don't know if there's prizes or anything, but it was like this there's a lot, there's tons of niches, not just the board gamers, but there's also like the hobby gamers. People are going and just painting miniatures together. There's um tons of, I don't know basically just anyone who's in the hobby or near the hobby there's there's a thing at gen con for you and i thought yeah. that was really cool it makes gen con special for that reason whereas like pax Unplugged plug might just be like the most perfect for just those like tabletop gamers mm-hmm. but like gen con has a lot just a ton of stuff that yeah. just
1: happens that i don't even know about it's true. It yeah. was very cool for that. They had a lot of cool things going on and I don't know. Ultimately just I, very
0: different and I see what you mean.
1: Yeah, I I think I would like to try again at some point but I, I worry that that family component of like always feeling a little bit torn between family fun. time and well, let's sure. be honest like a convention is very selfish time. Like <laughs> you're there, you've spent money, you're spending time and you're away from your family and all of that solely for something that you want to the trick is to make a family trip and i hope someday that <laughs> i'll have a kid that really wants to go to a convention and i'm like absolutely let's do yes. it yes that's awesome
0: <laughs> so
1: baby. i'm trying to train my kids young um part of that is every night we've been doing uh similo have we talked about similo i believe so but i don't remember I enjoy Similo. Very simple game. Um, You basically have a deck of cards with different animals or people on them. Mm -hmm. And then the clue giver is trying to guide you to what character they're talking about by just saying it's either similar to this one or not similar to this Mm -hmm. one. and playing them in two different piles. And then each round, the players have to eliminate one more than the previous round. So the first round, you just have to get rid of one and say, okay, your secret character is not this one. Second round, they have to get rid of two. So, last of max of five rounds, really easy to play with the kids before bed, but we've created little monsters that every night they have a hard time, like, wait, we have to play our game of Similo before bed, and, um, they're, like, inconsolable if we don't have time, and, That's all. um, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm very proud of it, but, um, we tried to break the mold and we played, uh, what? We, oh, we played funny bones. <laughs> um, we're like, let's Funny bones. You grew up with funny bones. Yeah. Oh man. I bought it like off of eBay when me and my wife first got married. Cause it was one of the first games. It was one of our first dates that we went on. Really? Um, which is so weird. And I know that. <laughs> yeah. It's certainly- I, this is evidence of why I was supposed to marry my wife. I, I was like, I wasn't dating anyone um and i was leaving for japan for two years soon and so i was like but i want to i want to hang out with someone i want to go on a date and i was like who in the world would just be like super cool with playing this game and oh my gosh. i thought of her and i was like we haven't really done too much together we had maybe gone on like one day before but always very That's... casual um if if people don't know funny bones you have these big oversized cards they're probably like almost twice the size of a tarot card probably um and it says things like nose bone connected to the shoulder bone and you and your partner have to hold that card in between the two bones that it lists and so you and you're you have different teams and you're just trying to hold all of these cards round after round so you're basically just like wrapping yourself around somebody else holding all of these <laughs> cards between your bodies and <laughs> like a weird version of twister yeah like
0: like yeah Body to body twister. Is (laughs) twister a dexterity game? I guess, like a flexibility game. game. I guess it still is dexterity. That's so funny. Did you know this is a fun fact? The designer of Spirit Island, Eric R. Royce, Mm -hmm. has rated only a few games as ten on Board Game Geek, one of which is Twister. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. And he says it's perfect at what it does basically. It's true. Nothing else is like it. And so it's like, all right.
1: Fair enough. I respect <laughs> I respect that. I respect that he's given enough thought to give Twister a rating. <laughs> yeah. So not only
0: um he says that you have to play it with a specific variant though, which is hilarious. If you give there are a variant you have to play. It. Well, it's basically like normally you're supposed to fl- spin the thing once and it's like left hand on blue and everyone has to do left hand on blue. Mm-hmm. But the variant is that each person has a different spin. It's That makes a lot more sense. It does. Um it's just funny to think of being like this game is perfect as long as you play it differently than you're supposed to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: kind of like um this is not actually like that, but you know how War is not a good game. It's not. It's not good. I was trying to I was like there's got to be a way to make War better. And so I was trying to design a version of war that was better. So I like drew, you had it where it was like each person has one to 10 cards or whatever, or like, sorry, 10 mm-hmm. cards, and you choose them. You actually choose what cards you play. And I was like, this is yeah. kind of boring still. And I ended up coming up with a version of it I basically added in betting or bidding, mm-hmm. um, where you have 10 chips and then a, and then a deck of one t- to 10. And you f- you take turns, one person will reveal a card, and then they'll mm-hmm. bet on how much they think they bet how much they think that their card will be higher than the other person's card that's on hmm. top. And so you're placing a bet, and either the person can fold or they can match the bet. And if you fold, or sorry, if you match the bet, then you both put the like the chips and say it's both three. You flip the cards over. the person who has the least loses. And the other person takes it and adds it to their deck and whatever. They won the thing. They, and then they take the money too. Mm-hmm. The alternative is if you fold, the other person takes your card and they get to choose between your card and their oh. card and remove it from their deck. And so they can keep their deck better. So actually folding is really good for the opponent. Hmm. So the, the person who, um, if you run out of coin or chips or cards you lose the game and so if you end up you know anyways it ends up actually being pretty fun it's like actually really cool so that's like a fun way to make war better just with you know
1: a handful of (laughs) coins um kind of like twister (laughs) there is a game called uh pocket paragons have you seen Uh, it i have not heard of that so uh, they they seem to be at every convention uh that i've been at and i think they're just really trying to get their game uh to take off and (laughs) I don't wanna say anything negative because I don't like doing that, but um, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Sure. Um, I did like the game, but I think it's extremely overpriced for what it is. Mm. So the, the, the game comes with like little, um, you know, the cards, um, if you played Timeline, they're about that size, sure. uh, just like a, a size smaller than your classic poker cards. Um, a lot of the Everdell cards, like the little goal cards in Everdell, are that size. But they're it's a deck of about that size, and I think you have about ten cards. Um, and it plays like war, um, but you're trying to reduce your opponent's life to zero. And okay. so you just pick a card and you put it face down, and you both flip it, but then that card goes away no matter whether you right. dealt damage or blocked or whatever. Um, that card goes away until you play through all ten of your cards, and then you get them all back kind of a thing. Um, there was a really tricky element that there were two cards in there one Mm -hmm. one card would automatically kill them if they played a specific card at that time and so you had to play that card to get rid of it and you couldn't wait until the very end otherwise they knew what card was in your hand so you you had to slip it in at a very inopportune moment Mm -hmm. so that they couldn't like call that that's what you were that they were going to hit you in your weak spot kind of a thing right um a pretty interesting mechanic a lot of like just like staring at them and like trying to bluff your way through it yeah yeah I love um that. i actually don't mind the game i think it's great but to get like five characters i think it was like 35 to 40 dollars, and it's just little cards and i think it may come with one dial per character right and anyway i i know the production cost of games and i just feel like that's way too big of a markup <laughs> personally um but but i was like eh, it's a it's a little like portable version of dice throne that i thought was actually nice it's pretty, pretty charming cool. and very warlike there this
0: that reminds me there's this game i can't remember what it's called but i'll definitely like try to find out that's just played with a traditional deck of cards mm-hmm. um that's apparently really brilliant and it like it it's like a one versus one game and i don't remember but it's like i think complicated like decently complicated rule set but just with this deck of cards and there's like pdfs online or whatever to like let you play it but i really want to figure out what that is and try playing it sometime
1: I... if you can find it let me know I um know. i do like games with a deck of cards i kind of fell out of grace with them a little bit um yeah yeah, yeah. just because they're just not flashy like they're not pretty and like but there are a lot of games that i actually do really appreciate they're just played with a standard deck Mm -hmm. of poker cards um one of those uh there's a game we always play called ripple that i think is actually pretty fun um but yeah not not bad if you do find that let me know because i'm always up for a new card game that especially my in-laws have a thing with like if it's past a normal deck of cards, they just assume it's too complicated. Right. Right. So I could maybe I could maybe weasel that in there. <laughs> That's awesome. Um All right. We have about fifteen minutes left. Um the week I I'm only putting a cap on it because this could literally go on for two or three hours. Probably. Which isn't that kind of fun. Like <laughs> I I, I thought about it and I was like, wait a
0: minute, we're just having a conversation about games, which again <laughs> I don't know if i said this is one of my favorite things about this hobby but also just hobbies in general is that it just gives you something to just talk about and like yeah. it's just really cool i i I've, I've really enjoyed that in general when when people like play it like this happens at tournaments a lot you're playing a game everyone goes and plays their game and then they come back after the game and then talk about what happened mm-hmm. and that like energy is just really really fun um so yeah it's been it's been
1: it's true, because so tonight actually, which is one of the reasons why I kind of have to go, but um I I'm hosting a board game night. This is the first one that I've done with this group. It's a neighborhood board game night. I literally oh, just like cool. went to a couple neighbors and I had a like I printed out a little flyer and I was like, listen, last Thursday of every month, I'm gonna do a board game night. Our local church is willing to give us the space if we get enough people that we need to break that's out into like three or four groups, but until then we're gonna have it at my house, just eight o'clock, last Thursday of every month. And I was like, literally, you can tell anybody you want. Um we're just gonna get together and play board games. And I'll be there. Yeah, and I think several of several of the people are people that I have actually like gotten to know a little bit, but it's a little bit harder to carry on conversation or um, just get to know for whatever reason I think part of that is we have kids that were we just don't have time to like sit down and have like okay let's find common ground and let's like get to know each other well um, yeah. and so part of the goal of this is like when you come together around a board game you're there for a shared experience and you have provided like topic of conversation which is the game their structure and we always talk about, like, life's playground and uh, board games within that. Yeah. But it's such an equalizing experience, which is why, I don't know, I love board games and the function they play in my personal society. relationships. But, yeah, it's great. And heck I'm very excited about it.
0: Heck, yeah. So the the last story I will tell is my... Engagement with um, flesh and blood over the summer. This is the I day. thought you were getting married, man. No, I just said engagement. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I <laughs> that word, word choice is very Normal misleading. <laughs> that would have been hilarious if I, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be hilarious, if, I guess, if I was getting married. That's not funny, um, <laughs> but the idea is <laughs> really funny to me. Um, so I have been engaging with this game. <laughs> Engaging is a word. You've you. getting, you've been getting more engaged with. <laughs> I have been basically marrying this game because I love right. it so much and want to commit my yeah. life to it. I've but gotten now, that vibe actually. It... <laughs> so I've been playing a lot of Flesh and Blood in the last year and a half. Um, it's absolutely taken over my life. I love it so much. It's a ton of fun. There's tons of depth. I've probably played about two hundred twenty games of it The the games last 30 45 minutes so you know you could do the math it's still a lot but it's not like 220 games of spirit island it's different but um it has been so fun but anyways this like probably like two months ago i went to an event there's like a series of events called the road to nationals if you get top four at one of these events there's like probably like two every weekend locally or like within driving distance or whatever for four weeks. And okay. I was out of town in Canada for the first like, two, I got back from Canada had COVID or maybe I did. I don't really know if I did. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I wasn't able to go to the third week's one. So the only one I was able to go to was on the fourth weekend. And on the Saturday, I was working. So I couldn't go to the one on Saturday. So it was literally Sunday, the last road to nationals. And I was basically like, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully I could get top four. That'd be cool. But I wasn't necessarily expecting to, especially because I only got to try one time. But I went and I um, got to top eight. And so it's basically like one game more. If I win this, I'm in. I qualify for nationals. If I lose it, I don't qualify. And I ended up, and I don't know if you know much about Flesh and Blood. Basically, there's two heroes that they're, they're fighting each other. They're attacking each other back and forth. You could use your cards to attack or to block. And um, if you block too much, then you can't send as much of an attack back at them and they can gain momentum in that sure. way. But anyways, if you kill someone or you kill someone by putting their health down to zero, whatever. So I end up getting down to one health and on the next turn was able to kill the person. So like I ended up winning that game qualifying for nationals with one health left at the last road to nationals I could go to um, the only one I was able to go to. And I was like, Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. And I was so excited to because cause I just meant I got to go to Nationals. And so last weekend, yeah, last weekend, I was like, was that last weekend? Last weekend was Nationals. So the last couple months I've been practicing a lot. I I, bi- I built a new deck for the – that was, like, a pr- like, really good in the meta, whatever. Um, Learned the deck. I love the deck, actually. It's this Ice Wizard character named Icelander. Mm-hmm. And her mechanics were really fun. You get to kind of control the game a lot. Um, Think like blue and magic. Um, Basically, you give them frostbites, which tax their their abilities, makes their things cost more. Um, But then also she uses arcane damage to kill the enemy slowly. Um, But anyways, I really enjoy piloting the deck. So anyways, nationals. It was a ton of fun. I traveled with like six, seven other people. We like had the same flights, same hotel rooms. I think we had like th- three hotel rooms split in some ways or whatever. Um, But just like a super, super fun time. Um, Just hanging out with people, meeting people who are all, you know, at one of the biggest events of the year for Flesh and Blood in the United States. Yeah, met tons of good people, had a lot of fun. I'm just more excited about the game than ever. I ended up doing fine. Day one, I did actually way better than I was expecting, which made me qualify for day two, which was super exciting. Mm -hmm. But then day two, I kind of just like punted and just like did really bad. Competition was harder, so it makes sense. But it was like middling results. Either way, so fun. Just a great, great weekend, great trip. And yeah, like I said, walking away from it, I'm just like, I want to compete more. I want to play more flesh and blood. I want to get better at this game because I'm not quite good enough yet. There's so many people who are better. Even though I've dedicated a lot of my brain power and my time to it, still not as good as a lot of people. And that makes me infuriated and very excited.
1: That's cool. I'm glad it's been fun. It's organized events like that. They are something completely. Very different. Completely different. And it's. it's... Yeah, I've gone to a couple Magic um, events uh, uh-huh. in the last little while, a couple drafts and pre-releases and stuff. Yeah. This last pre-release was actually not very fun. Um, really, I went
0: to I went to the pre-release for that set.
1: I think. Yeah, Dominaria. Um, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. Anyway, um, it was, I don't know, there was something I I first didn't pull very good cards. That was just clear probably... from the minute I cracked open my packs. So I was like ouch and then second it was just like every game and i know this is a huge uh, flaw of magic that people will cite you got mana or mana flooded all the time like almost every single round i was like what is going on i know my deck is better than this and it just was it was just sad to watch (laughs) It was just like oh gosh it sucks and it happens way too
0: often Uh, magic is a lot of fun in some ways and specifically a lot of fun when that doesn't happen to both players but the chances of it happening to either player is like too high high, just like too high
1: does flesh and blood have like drafts and stuff
0: yes it does drafting is very different because deck building is restricted by what hero you are so if you're a warrior hero you can Uh, only run cards that are warrior cards and generic cards okay Whereas in Magic, you draft whatever you draft, and it's like you don't want to have too many colors. You kind of want to stick to two or three colors. Right. But you can. You can put whatever in your deck. Um, And so Flesh and Blood draft is a lot more about kind of like mathematic optimization of drafting, like taking the cards that are the best, reading like what's going on in the draft, what heroes people are on um, based on what cards you're getting passed and what cards you're not getting passed, et cetera. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very different kind of drafting but yeah there is limited for okay. mat- or for flesh and blood and I think it's also very fun it's just very different um I was gonna one say, I... it is that the gameplay after the draft in flesh and blood a lot of people would say is better like it's it's more fun than the magic drafting but drafting actual magic and building a deck is a more fun draft experience i think
1: gotcha because that is the thing that keeps me coming back to magic every now and then it's like i just enjoy a draft like that the... the
0: um the feeling of um getting mana screwed and mana flooded in magic is something that flesh and bloods mechanics has specifically fixed essentially which is yeah every card can do something so you're never actually like genuinely screwed there's never no there's no non-games like that yeah it's um, never
1: you you never run into a situation where you have nothing to do
0: exactly sometimes it's like pretty close to nothing if if you have a yeah. bad deck the opponent has a good deck you're getting unlucky opponent gets really lucky that kind of stuff can still happen but like there's so much more space for like trying and learning in the meantime but yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Hmm. okay well When we, I would love for you to teach me Flesh and Blood. Maybe, maybe we should record it as a video. That would be kind
0: of, Um, we can do it online as well. There's okay more than one way to do that. Tabletop simulator as well as, and this is actually kind of on topic of the board game arena thing. Flesh and Blood, someone made like a Flesh and Blood online thing and it's Uh like popping and like people are playing really like, there's a lot of players on almost all the time. Super easy to pick up a game and just like play flesh and blood with a good player mm-hmm. online and it's good interface. That's been another thing that's made it really easy to play more. Very, very cool. Yeah. Kinda, it yeah, sounds again, like a same as board game arena for you. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. seems like it'll take a lot of my time, but if it just replaces magic for me, then it's fine. Right? And that's perfect. <laughs> um, okay. So you, this is my last awkward segue and then we'll wrap perfect. up, but um your epic um final uh in the qualifiers for nationals reminded me me and my wife pulled out marvel dice throne and i have for a long time said that i do not love dice throne as a game um felt a little reductive just like didn't feel like it was anything special the marvel version I really, I don't know if they just hit their stride. I don't know if it helped to have <laughs> the IP behind it, where I could just visualize a little bit better. Um, I played as yep. Spider Man. She played as Black Widow, uh-huh. and Black Widow is infuriating because in Marvel Dice Throne you have blockable or you have defendable and undefendable damage. Yeah. If it's defendable damage, then the opponent gets to roll their defense dice and. Right they will get some kind of effect whether it's reducing the amount of damage they take or retaliating and hitting you back so black widow deals damage mostly in the form of time bombs and Mm -hmm. in her defense she has a very strong she rolls three dice in her defense which is more than most characters and she almost always will hit back for like two or three damage sometimes more right and um and then what she deals is not very defendable because she just throws time bombs on you and you have a chance to defuse them, but it's very difficult. Um, so anyway, I was playing Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and uh, she was playing Black Widow. And it gets down to, I have two life uh-huh. and she has 12. Oh my God. I was just like, yeah, I'm done. Like in a typical turn, you can deal like usually like three or four damage is typical black widow specifically deals damage back whenever you attack her so i was like no matter what i do there's (laughs) There's just nothing so you're and to give you a scope of like the ultimate if you get like basically yahtzee all straight sixes um the damage that it deals is 13 so i'm like okay i'm getting one way basically yeah so (laughs) i go for that what i end up with is the web shooters attack which is you roll two dice yep they're numbered one through six and you deal that much damage i'm like okay whatever i roll them and i roll two sixes to deal 12 damage but she has she has agility so black widow's black widow has agility tokens for each of her agility tokens she gets to roll a die As long as it is above a four, so it's a 50-50 chance, as long as it's, sorry, if it's a four or above, so 50-50 chance, you negate half the damage, and she'll win. So she's like, all right. She rolls uh, one for her first agility. Didn't get it. It was a one. Rolls for her second agility. It was a three. Goes through both of her agility, and she's like, okay, well, it's still defendable damage. So she had an upgrade that not only let her roll the three dice, but she let her roll them twice. And keep in mind, she just has to block one of the incoming damage. No way. So on each of her dice, it's a two, sorry, it's a one in three chance on each of her dice that she can defend. She rolls all three of them. She rolls three retaliates. So she's hitting me three back, but she hasn't defended any. So she's like, all right, in this scenario, we both die. She can reroll any number of them. And she goes to reroll two, and I was like, don't re-roll two, because if so, you'll only deal one damage back to me, and I'll survive. And I've thrown a time bomb back at you, so I, I have an ability that lets me pass the time bombs back to her, and it's going to detonate at the beginning of her turn. So I was like, if you do that, I'll survive, and you'll still die at the very beginning of your turn. I was like, you have to reroll two. You have to only re-roll one, so that no matter what happens, at least you kill me. So, she rolls her other die just to try and prevent one damage and didn't. It didn't work, and oh. so we ended up both of us dying. Me from 2 damage, her going down from 12 after trying to negate that damage. <laughs> at 50/50 chance most of the time. How many like three different rolls, four different how, rolls actually. How did I get it was,
0: it was, yeah, that's it is it Luckily, was so devastating flesh and blood has tense moments and end games like that but way more calculated and like yeah not <laughs> not as quite much, dice throwing not quite <laughs> dice throwing it's a little bit more
1: involved uh yeah. but yeah that's hilarious it was pretty epic and well, i i felt bad because i was like okay she absolutely had it in the bag um but then we played a game last night king's forge pretty much the exact same thing happened no and I sniped the win out from under her by like a single point when she it looked like she had it That's made, so funny and I just sniped it by a single point and she was like again you've got to be kidding me so I'm like oh so geez this to go into further detail about the quarterfinals game that I qualified
0: for nationals on uh-huh. it was it I basically on this last turn that he got me down to one i was at like six or whatever i don't remember what it was and basically he attacks with a card that has that lets him he can do something after this attack and i look at the card i'm like it's not super threatening i have one card i could block with and still kill him for sure next turn Mm -hmm. and i was like but i'm gonna hold on to it in case he attacks me something that's more threatening like has a stronger effect if it hits or whatever yeah and then i realized. So we're playing a mirror match. We're both playing the same hero who does a lot of arcane damage, which you have to have equipment that says arcane barrier to block it, Mm -hmm. which I did have, except both of us broke our equipment that had arcane barrier to do something special or whatever. So neither of us has arcane barrier anymore. And so I knew that he was going to do a lot of arcane damage too, but I can't block that arcane damage. And so I'm at six life and I'm like, yeah, I'll wait for a more threatening thing. I I choose not to block. And then I go, wait a minute he's going to do arcane damage. I made a huge mistake. I ne- I should have I should have blocked that and I might lose yeah. the game because I misplayed and I was like, "Oh no." But he only had enough to get me down to 1 and I was like, "Thank God." Oh my <laughs> god. I almost basically completely punted it. Lost the game, didn't qualify for nationals because of a dumb mistake like that, especially because oh. we're both playing the same hero. So I knew I should have known this. Like, this shouldn't have yeah. been new information. Yeah, anyways, that was That's close to being very upsetting. Ended up yeah. being very great. Had a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> that would have been so sad. Yep. Oh, awesome. Well, um, we should wrap this up because I have some stuff to do. But uh, I super appreciate you getting on. And if anybody listened to this whole thing of us just <laughs> rambling about our random summer of board <laughs> gaming adventures, just I think I have... Like seven or eight things on my list that we didn't talk about um we didn't even get to the game the german game of the year nominees and the actual uh what do you call it the awards um, yeah. was it, was it arc nova did they win something arc arc nova did not it was living forest which was funny enough the one of the three that i hadn't played That's um and then the game of the or the that was the kenner spiel uh the game of the year Uh, oh cryptid did cryptid win no cryptid didn't win it was a nomination for the kenner spiel hold on
0: cryptids from 2018 though
1: yeah it doesn't actually have to be published in this year oh it's cascadia cascadia that's the one yep that makes sense um yeah so awesome for cascadia that's like that's that company's first published game that's flat out games that was their first game that they published so awesome for them yeah i'll definitely Um,
0: have to look into um, living forest and then i also do want to play arknope as well but anyways
1: yeah so i have some things to say about living forest um and we can talk about that later because i think i've played like actually i have the stats right here please hold it (laughs) since i since i discovered it Uh um, i have played 15 games of it and that's probably in the last like three weeks so wow. it is on board game arena and it is fantastic it's a really good mod although i do think it loses something i want the physical version because it has beautiful art beautiful components it's yep. all around thematically just a really uh awesome moving game i think it's just like all about the spirits of the forest and like growing your forest and all of this cool so
0: all right very nice super good talking to you
1: um yep Yeah. Okay. And until next time, when we hopefully will have a little bit more direction wow. and maybe a guest. Cool topic. And a guest. Yeah. Maybe. We're trying to get some. We have some guests, but it's just hard arranging schedules. So. It's hard to arrange two schedules.
0: It's really hard to arrange two. <laughs> like, a lot harder. Yep. Alright. Anyways, thanks so much for listening. Um, We hope you enjoyed it. We, um, Me and McKay certainly did enjoy talking. um, <laughs> Which is kind of... I Agreed. think it's become one of my main goals in the podcast is just if we're enjoying talking then
1: I'm happy yeah I mean if we enjoy it then it's worth it right I think so (laughs) this is not financially worth it everyone that's let's just put that out there (laughs) we do this because we enjoy each other's company